to our sponsors before we start. First, ElectroVoice. ElectroVoice is a leading sound solutions company that provides onstage monitoring, PA systems, and microphones. They were kind enough to provide us with four mics when we started this podcast about a year ago. Two of the RE320s, which we use in the studio for our recordings. They're fantastic for vocals and a variety of other applications. They're basically the little brother to the classic broadcast mic, the RE20. And they also gave us two ND76 handheld mics, which are your basic onstage workhorse mics. We use those for when we have in-studio guests, and they absolutely sound amazing. So big thanks to ElectroVoice. You can find out more about them at ElectroVoice.com. Next, we want to thank SK Coffee. SK Coffee provides coffee blends from all over the world. Um, Costa Rica, Ethiopia, Guatemala, just to name a few. This company is amazing because they work directly with the farmers to provide fair and ethical practices. Our friend Nate provides us with our own custom blend, and we're usually always drinking it here when we're doing an episode. Really amazing stuff, so go check out www.skcoffee.org for more info about their products and how to get it shipped to you directly. Again, www.skcoffee.org. And finally, we have Oleo. Oleo manufactures and provides CBD oil packets. Just add one packet to a glass of water and boom, instant delicious 25 milligrams of CBD oil. It's basically like crystal light, but with CBD oil. It comes in great caffeinated herbal tea flavors or decaf herbal tea flavors, uh, or it comes in my favorite, coconut water. You can also buy in bulk uh, flavorless options, and you can add them to any beverage of your choice. Go to www.oleolife.com to learn more and to learn how to purchase. Thanks, guys. All right. Welcome to the Green Room Podcast. This is the last episode of 2018. Can you believe it? Woo! Ding! Can you believe it? We've been doing it for over a year now. That it's, is crazy. I got some is reminders. Like Our fifth episode came out this week last year. Really? Yeah. So what are we on? This is 29, 28? No, I think that's a little extra, Pat. Really? Uh, 28. 28. <laughs> oh, one extra. Yes. Okay. One extra. Yeah, we have a really exciting guest with us today that I'm I think you've probably heard of if you're listening to this podcast. He was one of the OG members of Pretty Lights. He's worked with, we'll talk about him working with tank in the in the bangas and animal collective that's right and that's um, right. lots of the other projects that he's recently, involved in on a production scale yeah yeah mickey he's hart releasing... with den company which is huge he yeah. just got off uh, like a year and a half of doing that and he's also releasing an album shortly here with the pretty fantastic so we're excited to tell y'all that we are going to be hanging out with michael friggin menert today Yeah. So anyway, um, we'll get to that in a little bit. But me and Pat were just talking about the NBA's releasing all of the designs for their city right, jerseys right, right well, now. Well, we started talking about how this is the and first I don't care year. about sports here, but these right. jerseys are really tight. tight. So we this started is for talking if you care and if you don't, it's cool. sponsorship because this is the first season where the the NBA is a lot like MLS or you know overseas football slash soccer where they can allow advertising advertising. I can't say. Oh wow. Advertisements on their jersey, and the LA Lakers have Wish, and Megan's a Wish fanatic. I'm not so that's a Wish how we fanatic. Okay, I'm not a Wish fanatic. 
Kish is a wish fanatic. Kish? Kish on, on wish. wish. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, there was one time when I was a bit overutilizing, maybe you could say, wish.com. And it was because I was on tour with the Zugma boys, and they all just would sleep in the van. And if you're on, like, a 40 stop like they were, like, you don't want to interact in the van. In fact, some people have rules on tour where they're, like, no talking in the van. So everyone can get their own space and their own, like, alone time between shows because it gets really stressful. But That's a really good anyway, idea, actually. everyone would sleep. And I was – I can't sleep in the car. I, I really never do. Pat can attest to that. And, like, I just sat on Wish the entire drive from, like, Detroit to Chicago and Chicago to Minneapolis – just buying like $1 items, like spoon holders for my kitchen and like spice racks and like all this stupid crap. But that is the one time that I overutilized Wish and then I was like, I need to get rid of this app. And I did. So Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I tried it out for a little bit because Kish was so hot about it. And I went on there and it just looked like a bunch of junk that I could have gotten like at <laughs> Axeman like Surplus. Weird, it's and like, like an like, online yard sale. Yeah. It's just like a bunch of cheap a, junk. Like a and mystery it's like, sale. It's like, oh, this is only five bucks. And I'm like, but does it suck? Yeah. It's a gamble. You know, yeah. Wish is a gamble. I would say it's for, in my experience, knowing that, that things are sized for Asians, I've had like 75% success rate with the things that I order off of Wish in terms of them fitting me or being functional, et cetera, which I think is a pretty good, That's pretty good. Uh, ratio when you yeah. consider how much money that you sort of saved, but at the time you're not saving any because you're spending money. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I could have saved all this money by not finding <laughs> by not. out about Wish. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. So yeah, anyway, the Lakers have Wish they as have their Wish. sponsor. The The Timberwolves, our team, have Fitbit. Oh. Yeah, so there's that. I mean, and it's like, it's... So then we started talking about jerseys, and there's all sorts of cool, like... Like the Miami one? The, they're called City Jerseys in the NBA this year. They were They've done them for a few years now, but like... I thought this year was cool because they started incorporating local music into it. So the T-Wolves have this Prince-inspired city jersey, which is super tight. It's kind of like this deep, almost black purple with, like, the royal purple trim. And the, like, the lettering looks very Prince-esque, like the the typeface you would call it, I guess. I'm not a designer. You you know that better than me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like a... 80s script, decorative script font sort of thing. Right, right. Handwritten. Yeah, it's the, it's the prince. It's like, prince as fuck. Yeah, prince as if, fuck. If, it, if the font had a, a name, it would be prince. Prince, yeah. <laughs> or Purple Rain or Purple whatever. Rain, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then, like, we saw that the Brooklyn Nets have this, like, Coogee sweater trim yeah, dude, thing for Notorious B.I.G., which is super tight. Which we, yeah, made us think about, we had to try to figure this out. Every cootie with a booty bought a coochie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Okay. We were like, every coochie with the... Every coochie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, what we're saying. Yeah, it's every cutie with a booty bought a coochie, everybody. Okay. And uh, say that 10 times fast. I, yeah. But yeah, these city jerseys are super tight. They're super cool. Not all of them are cool. Like I looked up some of the other ones, but there's some cool ones out there. Yeah, for sure. I like the Miami Noir. Yeah, thing yeah, that the Miami, Miami Vice. Yeah. Like the, the pink and light blue. It's super cool. It's also a very like 80s font. The 80s are back. They did a like hot pink and like a cyan on black. Pretty sweet. Ooh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to buy this sweatshirt here because this is bougie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That one. Yeah. That yeah looks this cool. is bougie. I'm gonna have to buy this because I'm bougie. Bougie. <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's talk about real shit here. Okay. What let's we talk about real shit. Yeah. Penguin poop. Penguin poop. I heard that this week. <laughs> 
National Geographic released an article about how the penguins have a not-so-adorable contribution to life in Antarctica. Really? Yeah. Um, apparently, their turds are going to, like, save Antarctica. Did you read the, this article? I sent it to you, Pat. No, I didn't read it yet. No, I'm... I'm... Tell me about it. So, for the last 5,000 years, penguins have delivered roughly 16 million pounds of nutrient-rich poop on the rocks of Antarctica. And this poop can one day support plants and animals, which currently cannot survive there. Oh, you know what? I've heard of this before. I've heard people talk about this before. That's crazy. Good for you, penguins. Yeah, so penguin poop. Like, who would have thought that that's going to yeah. save the continent most of us will never visit? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> crazy. <clears throat> what else you got for us today? I mean, I think one of the best things that I read this week is that Ryan Reynolds remaking Home Alone. Yeah. I read it on like Marijuana Times or something. Okay. It's not High Times, it's like Marijuana. That's your, that's your homepage, right? The Marijuana Herald. <laughs> the Marijuana Herald. Yes. Okay. Classy. Um, cannabis rethemed imagining of Home Alone that Ryan Reynolds is creating called Stoned Alone. So that's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. I guess. I love Ryan Reynolds. And I think I love he's really pot, funny. So. But I think like he started doing these like macho movies for a bit there and i kind of checked out because like those movies weren't they're not really my cup of tea did he do like like a war movie is i feel like deadpool is what people associate with him right now probably yeah you're probably you're you're, you're totally right i still haven't seen the second one married to like blake lively Uh, somebody like really famous Um, what's his who are we talking about ryan (laughs) ryan ryan reynolds wife that's who i care about now yeah blake lively nailed it nailed it he also was married to scarlett johansson Oh, and then That's he dumped how- her ass with the quickness in 2011 and married Blake in 2012. Why? Damn, okay, Ryan. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's step back here for a bit. I think that, you know what? I don't I don't get that move. I don't get that move. Maybe Scarlett Johansson's crazy or something because she's totally hot. Like, why would you, <laughs> why would you go after, in my opinion, I, I would take Scarlett Johansson based off of looks over Blake uh, Lively. Um, but I don't know their personalities, so. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe Scarlett was the one that wanted to leave Ryan, but that's not true because she wasn't married. She was not married for three years after they were divorced, and now she's dating a French guy. Okay. Who I've never heard of and has no accolades or hey. profession listed on I, Google, I, so whatever. Good for I'm half her. half French, so if, you know, if this one falls apart, maybe... You know, just shoot me a <laughs> this, message. This article headline on DailyMail.com. Scarlett Johansson takes a swipe at Roman Duryak. <laughs> takes a swipe. <laughs> Is that the new terminology? What do you mean? Like a right swipe? Like on Tinder? Yeah. Uh, I I guess. I don't I know. Guess, I man. don't know. I don't Tinder. That's my, my one thing of never have I ever that I get to still do is never have I ever signed up for a dating service. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't do it. It sucks. Hey, uh, you know what's really funny, everybody, is that like two years ago, Kish convinced Pat to sign up for like Tinder Plus or whatever, and <laughs> they were yeah, like the all drunk July. one It was the 4th of July. It was the 4th of July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then um, so Pat signs up and pays like, how much is it? I don't know. 60 like 20, bucks? Like 20 or 30 bucks? No, it's like 60 bucks. Yeah, what? well, a year. Yeah, it's like six, it comes in six months. Six uh, month thing. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, so that's about right. Like sixty bucks. Oh, it's right. ten dollars a month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Anyway. 
Really? I got to cancel that shit. <laughs> so, yeah, you were so pissed last January because it renewed and you forgot <laughs> yeah. to uh, cancel it. I keep forgetting, man. So now man. you're paying for it still. God damn it. Yeah. Anyway, that's hilarious. This is a reminder to everybody to cancel the subscriptions of the things that you don't use. Yes. Cancel your Pandora. Cancel yeah. your SoundCloud Pro. You're not using them. If you've gotten our mailing list, you can unsubscribe. <laughs> if you're the one person out there who signed up, unsubscribe. We haven't sent anything out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a 2019 goal. 2019 we'll send something goal. out just so you can easily click unsubscribe on the bottom. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you know, uh, talking about weed. That's why we're rambling. Yeah. But we have some other cool weed-related topics, bro. <laughs> Yo, um, hey, let's step back here. I want to go back to this Ryan Reynolds stoned alone. Okay, okay. Do you think Ryan Reynolds smokes weed? Do you think he can accurately do this well? Or do you think he's jumping on, like, a stoner comedy type trend or a void of stoner comedies that are out there. Like, because Seth Rogen can get away with it because he knows a lot about smoking weed. Well, I yeah. don't see a Ryan Reynolds smoking weed. Here, let me see what happens when I type, does Ryan Reynolds smoke weed? I bet he doesn't. I bet he's a poser. I bet he's just in it for the cash Celebrities grab. who smoke weed. There's a list of these. That's hilarious. They're saying that uh, marijuana may have helped Ryan Reynolds get a foothold in Hollywood. Oh, really? Um, when filming Blade Trinity. That was a good movie. What was is, the worst Blade movie, though? What does this have to do though? with that? He probably got Wesley Snipes high, and he oh, forgot for to pay his taxes. Oh, for the rest of the shoot, Snipes stayed in his trailer smoking pot between making rare appearances on set to film reaction shots as the film's titular vampire slayer. As a result, Reynolds reaped more screen time. Oh, See? I told you, he just takes advantage of it. Okay, so he doesn't smoke weed. He's just taking advantage of it. He's just taking advantage of it. That's what I'm saying, man. We're calling you out, Ryan Reynolds. We're calling you out, Ryan Reynolds. You hear this? Even though one of the funniest movies still (laughs) in my mind is that Christmas movie he made, Just Friends. Oh, my God. Uh, With um, Amy Smart. Amy Smart. Dude, I love Amy Smart. Total 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 babe. Total hottie. (laughs) And uh, Crazy Blonde Girl. Um, Anna, Anna Faris. Faris. Yeah, Anna Faris. Oh my God, she's so crazy. Also, kind of a babe, though. Oh my God, Anna Faris is such a babe. And if you've never seen, speaking of pot, if you've never seen the movie Smiley Face, shut us off <laughs> right now movie. and go watch it That's for pretty real. Good. It's pretty good. Smiley Face. But just Smiley friends, Face. Smiley Face. Dude, Remember just that. friends. They did a pretty good job. That whole there. movie just kills me, man. That whole movie just kills me. It's really? so you fucking th- funny. Is that funny? I think it's so That's funny. That's hilarious. It I is think pretty it's funny. So funny. I think anything that pretty much Anna Ferris has ever touched is the one of the funniest things I've ever Agreed. seen. I mean, Agreed. Um, I love the house bunny. Um, yeah, that was, that was a really chick funny. flicky th- kind of thing, but it was super funny. She's uh, obviously all the scary movies. What else has she done? She's a really good, uh, serious actor as well. She does a lot of voice acting. Yeah, she's in a sitcom right now that's, I think, doing okay. I don't know. I don't watch it, but... She's in a sitcom? Yeah, oh, it's no. like... It's, it's where celebrities go to die. Exactly, right? No, Anna! But, come back! Yeah, House Bunny, Just Friends, My Super Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, I watched that movie. That was pretty good. That had uh, the... Oh, uh, she's Uma on Thurman. Cloudy with yeah. a Chance of Meatballs. I, I just watched that. that the other day. Is it good? Yeah, it just it just popped onto Netflix actually. So if really? you're bored, check it out. Yeah, I've never watched it. I missed that one. Yeah, you know, I guess she hasn't been in a shit ton. Oh, she's in Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Yeah, I never saw that one either. I am so surprised by that. Huh. <laughs> yeah. No. Anyway, I love Anna Faris. Anna Faris. She's I don't great. know how to say it. Yeah. Whatever. She's We're great. not like friends, you guys. Okay. I mean, I wish <laughs> yeah. I was friends with yeah. her. Oh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Come on. How oh yeah, that? that was a good movie. Speaking of <laughs> weed. 
that one thing that you sent me was actually serious and pretty interesting. Yeah, there's... Children with conduct problems tend to gravitate towards smoking marijuana versus just them being, quote, outcasts, hanging out with other outcasts who smoke weed. It's not... That's... It's not the social aspect of it that they gravitate towards. It's just that they have conduct problems and they gravitate towards a calming, the calmingness of it, or right? Like the anti-anxiety yeah. essence of it. Um, and we were just yeah. talking, we just had a friend here and uh, like, I was wondering if when we were kids like 20 years ago, how that has changed because now kids know that there's an actual medicinal quality to it. Right. When we were younger, it wasn't taught that way. Like that was not information that was readily yeah. available. It was like I mean, it was it was just like a quote. And bad we were drug, just talking like about this. Well, that was because stuff. we were just coming out of the war on drugs sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So True. it was definitely considered. It was definitely grouped and stigmatized with the rest of any other kind of drug. And I, I it was like schedule. I feel like it was scheduled way higher than it ever should it have been. It still is. Initially. I think. I think it still is. It's. On the federal level, I believe it's Schedule One. It's up there with like cocaine and heroin. What? I don't yeah, think it no. still is. It has to be. Hold on. Look that up. Okay. Heroin, LSD, marijuana, mescaline, and MDMA. And actually, it's funny because I think cocaine is Schedule Two because it's how they classify it is that Schedule One is something that's recreational and has like no medicinal purpose. And cocaine has a medicinal purpose for pain. Well, it's funny because ecstasy is on here. Psilocybin is on here. Both of those have been proven to have a medical purpose. Right. Well, what basically... Quaaludes are on here. (laughs) Quaaludes, really? (laughs) Spice is on here, which it should be. Synthetic marijuana. Yeah, that's killing people lately. Yeah, has it? Yes. Like 18 people died in a Denver park recently because of like a spice Have you ever smoked it? Have you ever smoked... I did smoke K2 K2 when I was young. I was in... This guy gave us a free bag of it when I went to... Lawrence, Kansas, to go watch Porter Robinson at the Granada once. Oh, yeah. I used to, uh, I used to smoke it. It's like seven years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. Like uh, one For of my short six months, it was legal or whatever. Yeah, it was. It was legal. Well, it was legal longer than that because it was un, unregulated for a while. There were like, like four a locos. It was like a potpourri. It was like four locos. Yeah, exactly. It was like four loco. It was like yeah. there was a stint where everyone was doing it, and it was like really popular. And, and then, then somebody it was died. Really bad for everybody. Yeah, and then yeah. somebody died. Yeah, <laughs> it's like ephedrine. It's like any supplement. You no, know, I've stuff. said this to you before, but I'm really sad. I never got to try the OG four loco. I don't want to get. I don't want to go die and black out on it. But right. I just wanted to try one. Yeah, I likewise. I never tried any of those things. It, like I missed the. I missed, I missed the time. I missed, it. I missed the boat. Yeah, but I did try spice or K two. A lot of times, actually, because one of my friends, when it was legal, he was on probation, so he had to take drug tests, mm-hmm. but that was legal. So I think we'd smoke it, too, because I lived in an apartment, and yeah. it, didn't, it's, it looked like bird food, and it smelled like poopery. So yeah, it was just poopery. like... <laughs> yeah, it, it was, was like, a great dude, alternative. I'll tell you what, man. It sucked, like, though. I can't remember one really? time when I felt like I was oh, high. Oh, man. It was I, a whole different kind of high. Every time I smoked it, it felt like the first time I got high. Really? Yeah, it was like wow, hilarious. <laughs> it was so fun. Like I would laugh at the stupidest shit. I had yeah. a blast. You know what yeah. else is on this schedule one, which is funny? GHB. And that's crazy because what is GHB? Uh, like Zyrem, the sleeping medication. I have oh. a friend who takes Zyrem because he's narcoleptic. Oh, yeah. And I so know who that is. at night, yeah, he has to, like, he'd been through several medications throughout the years, you know, like other sleep medications, trying to find something that would actually make him go to bed because he's also an insomniac. Right. Yeah, he is actually prescribed GHB, which is called Zyrem. And I lived with him while he, 
was taking that stuff. And it's crazy. You have to take another dose in the middle of the night. Really? Yeah. Which is like Weird. really disorienting because you're already frigged up from the first one. Yeah. And Why would they make you take a second one? Because something about it, like, like sort of like, um, what were we talking about? That um, melatonin. Yeah. Something about taking that second dose reverses the the first one, sort of. So, like, oh, um, okay. how if you can take how people can take too much melatonin and they can re- have adverse effects from it, yeah, and yeah. actually be awake instead, right? It's sort of like that. Like taking that second dose wakes you back up in four hours or whatever. Oh, okay. I don't really know how it works, but yeah, there were so many times when he'd miss the second dose and then he'd sleep the whole through the whole day. Oh, I got so you. So it's some you. crazy stuff. I can't believe it's legal. I remember when he got prescribed and he t- he's like, dude. Unprescribed GHB now. It's just like, what? They do that? <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, apparently, Xyrem is, even though Xyrem is GHB, it's classified as Schedule 3. Because there's a medicinal purpose for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy, though. Yeah. That's so funny. Anyway. It's wild. That's wild. But anyway. Drugs, man. Yeah. Would we got anything <laughs> no, like we got some, else to talk about? Yeah, we were actually just talking about medicinal purpose for weed. And we were talking about how, yeah, so kids, they're they're finding that kids who smoke weed aren't prone to conduct issues, but kids who already have conduct issues are prone to smoke weed. Yes. So that's like the yeah, most so concise it's nature, way. It's almost nature versus nurture type of a argument, right? Yeah, I guess so. In a, in a metaphorical way. Mm-hmm. And they just did a study that I was reading about a couple days ago in molecular neurobiology, this scientific journal, that's showing that cannabidol reduces or induces sustained antidepressant-like effects in mice. So they're finding like, I mean, this has already been shown throughout the years that it has effects against depression, but this provided a lot more finite proof that it is actually reducing anxiety and depression in the mice. So that's exciting for future studies on human participants. The mice are excited. The mice are excited. (laughs) (laughs) So um, basically they showed that CBD increased animals' resilience in stress models of depression, thus indicating an antidepressant-like effect. Uh, This is what I'm reading from. The molecular neural... Herald? The Herald? No, not the the marijuana Herald. It's the Molecular Neurobiology Journal. Oh, the journal. Yeah. Um, Moreover, this effect developed rapidly rapidly within one hour and remained for a week after a single administration, which is not the case for conventional antidepressants. So that's exciting. What it's is promising. kind of depressing about that study that I read is that they have bred mice to be innately depressed. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know why I find that fu- I find that funny. <laughs> but I feel bad. Oh man. Oh my god. So anyway, yeah, we covered some NBA jerseys. We got Ryan Reynolds stoned alone. We got depressed mice. Hey. We got penguin poop, and now we got man of the hour. Michael freaking Menard. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guest. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Michael Menard, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast.
this is me, you know, Megan, and that's Pat. Hi. And we got a very special guest with us today named Michael Menard. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How's it going today? It's going great. You, f- you feeling uh, nice and warm I'm here? feeling nice and warm. Had yeah. some slushy, slushy drinks for breakfast and uh, a little bit of weed, so they start nice. out right. Perfect. I'm jealous with that mul- mulberry slushy. Mulberry. Mulberry slushy. The moldy berries. Moldy berries? <laughs> I don't know. Muled. Muled berries. Muled? So they like smoosh them up? Yeah. It's really weird because there's mulberries and then there's moldy berries. And, and then there's, there's mold like, berries. To, yeah, if you like mole the berries. Yeah. Wow. Huh. And I'm still unclear which one of the three I had. Me too. I it was purple and it looked delicious. So. <laughs> I mean, you had two of them. We almost had to cut you off. Oh, so yeah. They must have been dank. They're amazing. <laughs> so Michael's in town to play a set at the exchange tonight. And you say you always find yourself in Minneapolis in December. Yeah, most of the time. Or in winter. In you winter. just like to come here when it's cold? Yeah, I think that's just the only time they'll have me. Mm. <laughs> well, we need to get you out of your comfort zone in yeah. uh, balmy, 60-degree Northern Californian weather. That's right. It's like Central California. Central Northern, they call it. You know what, Cal- though, you guys, on the real, I accidentally ate some romaine the other day. Did, Did you? you? Yeah, dog. And then I freaked <laughs> myself out. <laughs> I, like, I, like, made some tacos, and then, like... We just got this like box of artisan lettuce and it had like some like chard and kale and romaine, romaine in it. Yeah. And I chopped yeah. it all up and like threw it on my taco. And then like 20 minutes after I finished eating, I was like, I saw this thing I think on Reddit that was like, everyone romaine calm. They'll let us eat lettuce again <laughs> soon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. I shouldn't yeah. have ate that. <laughs> and then I was like Googling it and like reading yeah. on like the CDC and shit. I think that was, it was just like, like anything that comes in contact, any groceries you bought with the romaine, throw it away. Really? And like, yeah, all this shit. And then be like 18 deaths nationwide so far. And I like started freaking myself out and shit. I hit up my friend Katie, Katie Watson. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I just ate some romaine and I'm really freaked out right now. Like, talk me down. And she's like, okay, dude, only old people and babies die of E. coli. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's that's true. making me feel better. And you know what? I think it was only like one day. Like, we were out of lettuce at the restaurant for one day. It was like Thanksgiving. Yeah, right around there. It was like one shipment or something like that. See, that I, I just ate like crap for like the week of and then the week after Thanksgiving and just blamed it on like having a little bit of lettuce every day. I was like, oh, I got a stomach ache. It wasn't like the pint of ice cream. It was the- <laughs> Probably came in contact the with romaine. the romaine. Yeah, probably. Is, like, that's the option. That's the only explanation. Seriously, but then it was like all the things we're also saying, the, check where your lettuce is from. And the main one was if it was from Central California, throw that shit away because oh, that's where it was from. What did right? you guys do? So I'm that's like me, reading all this and I'm like afraid to go to the fridge and check the package because I don't want to know where it's from. I was too afraid to look at it. And then I just like ignored it until like dinner time that night. <laughs> I was making dinner and I like opened the fridge and I saw it and I was like, all right, I guess I'll check this out. I looked at it and it said like Shapiro, California or some shit, mm. which I Google central as fuck California. Uh-oh. And I threw that shit in the trash outside with yeah. the quickness. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't want it to contaminate all the no. white claws that you have in there. We don't have any white claws right now, but True thanks, least. dickhead. What are white claws? Oh, oh wow. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're like a alcoholic like a, seltzer. It's water. a hard seltzer. Yeah. Oh, it's really? like Zima on steroids. Really? Yeah, that actually tastes good. And you and know what's like really a, funny like is that I, I was over analyzing this. So they initially came in like the skinny Red Bull cans, yeah. you know. 
But then, like, just recently, they started putting them in normal-sized beer cans. And I was thinking, okay, that makes sense just for, like, packing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, in terms of, like, distribution and stuff. Getting But drunk. at the same yeah. time, I have met so many men that feel insecure about drinking White Claw because it's a hard seltzer. Yeah. And they feel like it's, like, a woman's drink. Right. And I feel like the can definitely adds to the it femininity helps. of yeah. the hard seltzer, you know, like, stigma in general. Right. And, like, I've, like, talked to my bartender friends who will say that like, men will come up to them and be like, hey, can we get two White Claws? They're for our girlfriends. <laughs> and then, like, when they're paying, they're like, oh, 450 And they're like, okay, thanks. They're for our girlfriends. Like, oh, they dude. just have to say it. Well, <laughs> no, they've no. made the can normal size, I think, so that men don't feel so girly when they drink one. That's probably exactly right. It's so funny yeah, because, like. It yeah. makes me want to drink it less. Isn't <laughs> really? that weird? The psychology of all this is really funny. Yeah. That is funny. It's so, like, as, as a bartender, I get guys, we have a, this Pilsner that is actually pink on tap and it's called like a pink rabbit pilsner and they order it thinking it's going to be like a you know um miller light or something like that and i give it to them and it's pink and they're like oh Oh, it's from my girlfriend no they go oh (laughs) it's pink and i'm like yeah it's not just a clever name and they're like oh i don't really want that and i'm like you haven't even tried it yet man like it's a real thing. It is yeah. a psychology of being. Yeah, a, a, it's really strange. The slim can psychology. made me feel like I was going to be slim if I drank yeah. it. Yeah. See, the slim can always makes me think I'm getting gypped on like valuable ounces of thirstiness. <laughs> no. Because that's I'm a thirsty true. dude. And like if I see a slim can that's like the same height as a, a fat can, I take the fat boy can. Yeah. Nine out of ten see, times. And this and is exactly <laughs> what's happening with the white claw can shape phenomenon. You know what? Yeah. Like in, in a related, in a related world. Debate, you know? That's why I really appreciate the uh, Mrs. Buttersworth bottles. I know what I'm going to be like. Oh, yeah. When I look at that shape, I'm like, if I'm eating all that syrup and pancakes, I know what I'll turn out like. <laughs> like Mrs. Buttersworth? Like, look like Mrs. I don't think that's what pancakes do to you. I think they turn you into Mrs. Buttersworth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How curvy. Oh, my God. You Dude, just get curves this, and a delightful like, smile. There's this, like, chocolate uh, Santa company, like, there's this company making chocolate Santas right now that's making, like, every skin skin tone of Santa. I think it's really cool. Really? Yeah, like, the whole shelf is just, like, a bajillion shades of Santa. Really? Yeah, I think well, that's awesome. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So I guess I would probably buy, like, the black Santa then because I like normal, dark, like, dark chocolate. Oh, my gosh. Is it the chocolate that's the different shades? Or is it like the packaging? That would be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. It's like they make no. like a white chocolate because I don't no, like white chocolate. No, the so chocolate. I'm going to be the buying like diverse Santas here. Okay. That's well, that's very inclusive, Pat. But yeah. no, the chocolate is all the same, I believe. It's just the packaging. Oh, okay. All right. That makes, that makes sense. I want the black Santa. Oh my I God. like dark chocolate. It's okay. good to cook. It's good to cook with too. It's good for you. <laughs> um, okay, let's get serious for a second, guys. Oh boy, uh-huh. what do you got for us, Pat? Nothing really. I just wanted to ask Michael because we, I know you as producer uh, in charge of the Pretty Fantastics, uh, somebody who just uh, got off the Dead and Co uh, tour, somebody who's working with Mickey Hart. But I don't know about your background with music and how you got started. Uh, I want to ask you that. My background with music. I started out by, I mean, at the at the basic level, my dad had keyboards, and then he made me get piano lessons for a year or two, okay. maybe three years. I think on and on. I think I got I had him for a while, and then didn't like him, and then went back or whatever. Anyway, that okay. was my introduction. But it was I think I was listening to music that was mainly made with guitars, mm-hmm. and I didn't really. You know, I didn't see the connection between taking piano lessons and creating music yet. You know, it was yeah. like I want I, like when I sat down at the piano, I would 
mess around with stuff. I wouldn't like do the things I was supposed to do. Right. And my dad had like a, an old drum machine and um, a bunch of like, just like a synthesizer set up to kind of make like soundscaping music back in like the late eighties, early nineties. Uh-huh. And so like, I'd like, before he came home from work, I'd like turn it all on and mess around with it and kind of like make little weird uh, broken beats that don't make any sense. Cause you're nine years old playing with synthesizers. But, right. um, but yeah, that's how I got started, I think. And then, my dad was always really into computers, so he had software that helped me be able to kind of sound collage samples. So while I was like playing, kind of picking up guitar and playing like rhythm guitar and keys and bands in junior high and high school, I was also starting to mess around on DAWs, um, on PCs like Cool Edit Pro and then Acid Pro 2.0. A DAW is a digital audio workspace for anyone that's listening. That that's right. That. Basically, the software. We use a DAW, a DAW, a DAW. Yeah, the DAW, DAW. So da. this was uh, what what uh, year? Was it mid nineties? Yeah, mid nineties. I'd say I started like actually making things that were able to be called <laughs> pieces of music <laughs> uh, on computers, like like ninety eight, ninety nine. You know, cool. very cool. And then eventually, like you know, this is back when it wasn't like that cool to make hip hop on computers. You know, everybody thought you needed to have an MPC or an SP12 or, right. you know, and, turn, and turntables and stuff like that. And I had just, so I kind of bought, started buying all that gear, got like some, you know, uh, like Gemini turntables or something like that, something not as good as Technics, but something that worked. And uh, eventually got an MPC 2000 and just, you know, got a bunch of gear and started stacking up records and samples and messing around with that while also collecting synthesizers and different things to make sounds on top of it. And then kind of did that with the live band thing and didn't really do the, the, the digital production for a while. Yeah. At least not like as heavy, you know, I was still doing it, but it was like, was the, it kind of like, were you doing uh, like live band stuff? Was it kind of like uh like acid jazzy type yeah, it, stuff? It like... was kind of like a, like we had basically like it was a DJ that had a turntable, that turntables and an MPC. Mm-hmm. And then Derek uh, from pretty lights, um, on bass, flute, and MPC. Uh-huh. And then I played keys, guitar, an MPC. And then we had a drummer who drummed. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all sang and rapped too. Um, kind of, uh, I would say, like, we all just loved the Beastie Boys growing up. So it was kind oh. of like. What was your band name then? It was called Listen. 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 Cool. And that was, was that, uh, in, were you in Colorado? That was in Colorado, and that was for a while. So that was like the big start. So that was start. in like uh, middle school, high school? No, were... this is like 2001. This is like right at, I tried I tried college for a year and failed out because I was just making music and smoking weed the whole time. Sure. Um, and we all kind of went to Boulder at the time, and the band shifted, and we met Corey and the DJ, which is Ken Daly. Um, he actually did cuts on the first Pretty Lights album, second one, I think, too. Yeah, but you know, it was that was those are the formative years where it was like, I I had people around me that were interested in things that interested me, mm-hmm. and I felt like as an only child, uh, and a an immigrant refugee that I didn't have any brothers or sisters. I didn't really. There's a lot of times I kind of felt out of place, you know, and didn't have like a like groups of friends that lasted lots of years, you know. Sure. I just kind of drifted from group to group. So that was the first time I kind of had like brothers in the world, you know, where right. like I was like, oh, I have right. people that are, that are there with me and kind of like on this journey together. And I feel like there's like this musical family kind of, you know, we like lived together for like five years in different arrangements right. of the band and stuff and had people kind of come in and out of the band and friends. Yeah. So that was like how it all kind of started, I think. Cool. And then everything from there kind of became reincorporating 
the live instrumentation with the production rather than having it be separate, you know? Uh, yeah, it makes total sense. Um, and you touched on something that's really interesting, like where you said uh, that was the first time that you really felt like you had, you know, like brothers in the band or like uh, in, in a family sense. Because you can really tell that, like I played in numerous bands uh, where you, you get along with everybody yeah. more or less, um, but it's just, you know, you're missing something and then you're like, you land in that band or with like the group of people that you're like, oh, it's like a sibling relationship or it's like some people equate being into a band as like being in a relationship with five different people yeah. all at once. And it's like not everybody gets their own say, but you're still all kind of like a family type of an environment yeah. at the end of the day. And I think that's a really uh, special feeling that it's really hard to describe. Yeah, it is. And, and I think it's, I mean, it's, I think that that communal and kind of familial and the sense of belonging or the sense of not caring that you don't belong it's kind of what music gives people, you know, it's like why people go to shows and why people lose themselves in the music and, you know, yeah. dance all night and things like that. It's because it's, you feel like you're part of something outside of yourself, you know, and like you feel connected to something that's moving and something that's. Well, like being in a multi-person project is like polarizing in terms of how you're going to feel about that person. I mean, like right. you're going to be with that person so fucking much. Mm -hmm. You're going to spend so much time yeah. with that person. Like, in a car, in a hotel room, in practice spaces, in the studio, on yeah. stage, etc. You're either going to learn to love that person and they're like your brother, or you're going to want to kill them. Or yeah. <laughs> also, like your, there's also not like any in between, really. Yeah. But there's it's also no like between. your brother. It's like a love hate relationship. It's like I love my brother, but I want to kill him exactly. at the same time. But I mean, yeah. like I've been in projects with people that the whole time I'm just like, oh my gosh, I want to kill you. Yeah, like, the whole yeah. time. But yeah, no, I, I and definitely the love hate thing comes with the sibling thing. But yeah. It's totally a, a familial thing, not only based on the amount of time you're forced to spend with each other, but also based on that if they're part of your project, then you probably share a lot of the same thought processes yeah. and like are similar yeah. people and have like similar, similar capabilities yeah. and interests and like are able to make music. So I don't know. You can connect on like a whole separate level even yeah. outside of that. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. it can be really polarizing because... I'll either either love you or I won't kill you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then there's also the uh, the kind of I think that a lot of musical relationships come out of that chaos of like the the mixed feelings. You know, I think that mm -hmm. that so, like some of the some of the best bands are the ones that like beat each other up on the tour buses and stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we were just talking about this. Yeah. With like Sting and the Police. Yeah. And yeah. Were yeah. you talking about? Or? Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had a tour bus driver that was telling us a story about. I forget one of those, I forget what band it was. It was one of, the, one of those Southern rock bands going up. And uh, these two guys were just fighting in the back, you know, like arguing, blah, blah. Um, and they started like fist fighting. And, before, and like they come up through the curtain to the front where the driver's at and they like punch, punch up against the front window. The front window falls out and the bus driver pulls over and they like kind of kicks them out of the bus and they start fighting. And the guy like, goes to the bus driver's like, hold my Rolex, you know? The bus driver holds his Rolex and they. They're fighting and fighting, and one of them looks up. He's like, "Wait, hold on. What time is it on that Rolex?" And he's like, "Oh, it's five fifteen. Like five fifteen. We got to get to bed." And they just stop fighting and <laughs> go back up and go to bed. You know, oh but it's just like that thing where it just becomes like you know, it's just like playing the show. Yeah. Like the fighting becomes part of the the dance that you do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes like it's like I have to imagine if you're on that level, and you know this more than than we. But when you're spending your whole life, or at least a good half of your year, maybe in a bus and just going show to show, city to city, doing this and that, that almost can, like, aside from playing the show, getting your emotion out on stage, 
there's all this other stuff that's like yeah. being pent up and built up and oh, you have yeah. to get your emotions. You're not like a real I'm, person anymore. I can anymore. become a huge bitch. Like oh, when yeah, I'm I really anxious. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, I know, know. You know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know you know, but yeah, no, I, some, my nervousness can totally come out in me yelling at you about doing something really arbitrarily small, but you know, right. you pissed me off and I'm about to go on stage. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so go suck it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really strange too. I, I, I feel like you realize the, the weird parallel universe of tour where it's like you live like a thousand lifetimes in a month, you know, like it's, it's oh like God. there's so many different things that happen and, and all of it's like at the same time, nothing happens. You're just like in hotels and in lobbies For and real. different places, but like yes. so many little details happen. And then you go back and it's like, it's, it was one of the things I realized uh, with, with my wife now that when, when we were first getting together, it was just hard because, you know, you go back and people's lives have been going in the straight line and you've just been zigzagging all over the place yep. and you come back and they're just like, how'd it go? And you're like, well, I don't even know where to I begin. You know, like, no there's shit. Just, yeah. just you're like, you're like there's a lot of things that are bad and things I want to unsee and things that I never want to forget. And you're like, and it's like, I have so much stuff to tell you. Yeah. And then do you ever get to like talking to people who are like living their uh, lives just like on this like yeah. straight path. And you start telling them all these things and that you think are cool and like yeah. these crazy stories. And they're like, Oh cool. And then they just like start telling you about, Oh yeah, we're thinking about uh, yeah, you know, yeah. getting a dog and this and yeah. that. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I hate that question of how was it because sometimes it just <laughs> bewilders me. Like when I I went to Canada a lot recently and it yeah. was a really cool experience because I had never been prior and I yeah. got to go to British Columbia like three times in a month and people when I got back people were like, oh how was it? And I just like froze like how was it? Yeah, <laughs> shit. It was crazy. I don't even know where to begin. Like everything just runs into each other. I don't yeah. know. Like I can't remember the sequence of events or like where I was for what or like what happened where. It yeah. just is like it takes me like months to process the memory of it and then to start having like little memories yeah. of little details and being able to be like, oh, this happened. This is really funny. I never told you because yeah. it's just like, yeah, it is such a clusterfuck in the mind when you get done on any kind of tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and, and it's crazy too, because you like, you know, it's like when you're first going out on the road, you're, you're looking forward to these places that you've never been, you know, like I remember looking forward to going to new Orleans and then I like came back from new Orleans and I was there for like 12 hours, you know, like showed up from the airport to the venue wasn't anywhere near anything that I, that was new Orleansy, you know, it was like some civic center or something like that. You know, when I broke it down, I was like, well, I was in new Orleans in this block where I couldn't find any food. And kind of alone and bored. And the show was awesome. Then I went to an after party where a girl punched me in the dick. And then I went to the airport. And uh, because she was spilling drinks on people and I was trying to like get her to stop. And then she just turned around and was like, boom. Just dick punch. When I was like, I was just trying to keep you from getting kicked out. And then I, you know. The classic And then punch, immediately yeah. went to the airport and ate like a disappointing bagel. And that was my New Orleans experience. Oh and that's not very New Orleans-y. You know what I mean? That's it's so like, true, that's, dude. Yeah. That is such a true <laughs> thing. nailed it on that I one. felt that way about St. Louis. I thought St. Yeah. Louis would be cool. I couldn't see the arch from the plane. I got, my ride was three hours late. I didn't get to my set until 20 minutes before I was supposed to go on. My runner didn't show up to pick me up when I was done. I had to stay in yeah. a random hotel room <laughs> with my other shit left in St. Louis in another hotel room that they had for me. Mm-hmm. I missed my flight because the runner was late. Like that, And that's my whole like idea of St. Louis. Like I didn't get yeah, to eat like, any barbecue or like yeah. do anything for the <laughs> shit except for yeah. like be late for everything and like be stressed out the whole time. So let me ask you guys... <laughs> Speaking of that, so like we have, we all have ex- these experiences where we're just like in and out real quick. Yeah, eating a bagel. <laughs> and, uh, but what what place have you been to 
that you um, actually got to go out and kind of experience a little bit of the culture or you were at a good venue with like a lot of nightlife and you got to see some of the culture that you enjoyed the most? Uh, India. Pick. India. I've been to India twice. And the first time I was there for, I think, 10 days. The second time I was there for almost a month. And both times I was able to do, like the first time I think I played three shows in 10 days and the rest of the time just hung out. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to this Duelist Inquiry. He's a producer and musician in, in, in India who's amazing. He showed me around a lot and like a lot of people around there. Okay. Yeah. What did you, en- Swami what did you enjoy about people. it? I enjoyed just being immersed in a culture that was halfway around the world, but still I could relate to. You know, yeah. I had traveled to Japan and different places to, uh, where there's more of a language barrier. You know, when you when you when you go places, places that you feel like you can kind of you know, be halfway in into what's going on, but you're still kind of detached from knowing what's really going on because mm-hmm. you can't ask a lot of the questions mm-hmm. you want to ask, or you can't just read the things that are written everywhere. Right, right. And in India, you know, um, because of the British colonization, you know, as unfortunate as that was, the one silver lining for me was that uh, it, it had given a, a bridge of communication between me and a, a culture that I would normally not be able to experience in the same way, you know? Yeah. So it's like when I had, when I'm like, Oh, what's that? What's, you know, mm-hmm. it's like people can a- answer those questions and you can really learn a lot more about it. And there's, it's, and it, even within India, there's so many different languages and so right. many different um, subcultures that it's kind of like, and it's, it, it's yeah. almost like provincial, right? Yeah. It's like and, province and, by province there. And it's just beautiful because it's, I mean, Yes, there's a lot of poverty there, and there's a lot of things that uh, you know are are very saddening. But it's also like there's right right among that there's people that are very happy with very little, you know. And there's it's also crazy. And, there's, and there's people that are coming up in a new kind of uh, you know technological and economical superpower kind of you know. Yeah. So where um, did you stay in the same spot? Like the uh, let's say let's just talk about this first like ten day. Uh, no, the, travel? the first ten days I went to I, I was in Delhi. And then I went to Pune and Goa. Yeah. So I was in three different places. And the second time I went to uh, Kolkata, uh, Bangalore, Mumbai, Delhi, and Pune. So I was like, so I think yeah. I did like seven or eight shows. And that was the second time. No, six or seven shows the second time, and three the first time. And and the, the, the second time I got to go pretty much all four corners. Um, really? Didn't get to go really far south. And didn't get to go really far north where I wanted to in the mountains and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and didn't go get to go out to deserts or anything like that. Yeah, but but th- there's some places I want to go still, and it's one of the best places I've ever been. It just was. It's just I was just so happy there, and the food yeah. there is amazing, and the people there are amazing, and I got to be, you know, when we get to travel, it's nice because we have ambassadors from from you know the venues or from promoters or from you know, totally other artists and stuff like that. So it's yeah. like it's not like when our parents got to you know get a tour guide book and try to find places and go on plan trips and stuff like that. Like we get to go and immediately get walked into the back rooms of places exactly. that, that are really cool. And that, like people that live there might not even know about, you know? So it's, I, I was blessed that people let me be a part of their, their own culture there. And, and like, I just got to go and kind of immediately feel at home and have people let me just hang out with them, you know? That's, tight. So. That's cool about just touring in general. I feel like it is essentially a little bit of a concierge service yeah. when you are working with a promoter. Mm-hmm. You know, someone picks you up and you tell them what you want to eat and they bring you the best yeah. place. Like, right. that's that. Could you imagine, <laughs> could you imagine though, uh, ask you what you doing need that to. without like knowing anybody in that city and just being like, here, 
you oh. got to be at this venue, you know. I mean, at, I did I, that. Yeah, yeah I did so it all the time. I mean, we've all <laughs> done that, but I mean, like, when Everyone you're... had to do that to start out, and that was just, yeah. you know, I, I did it with you. We drove yeah. blindly around the U.S. We did 18 yeah. dates in 30 days yep. with Filibusta, essentially. Yeah. And we knew nothing about anything. We didn't have a promoter <laughs> on most of the shows. We were in new right. cities almost everywhere. Right. We just happened upon some of the best... Fettuccine Alfredo we've ever had in our lives oh. at this little place called Bochi's Cellar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hot waitress, and, um, the hot bartender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was super... She was smoking. Smoking hot. Um, but yeah, we played this show for nobody in Santa Cruz. Yeah. But hey, didn't you run into that guy who opened for us? Lubelski. He was yeah. actually playing down the street from me in Austin, Texas the other day. Really? No shit. Yeah, what and it was funny because my assistant manager, Koshi, I was playing in, in Austin on Halloween, and she's like getting all ready while I'm at Cole's house. And I'm yeah. like, where are you off to? Cause it's like the middle of the damn day. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, well we're going to drive um, out to Dallas to see something. And then my homie Lubelski is playing down the street from the venue that you're at tonight. And I'm like, are you shitting me? Like this guy that <laughs> we randomly for opened for us to play for, to, for nobody oh, in man. Santa Cruz, he was California. The, he, his friends were the only people at the show. He brought like four people. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Shout out to Santa Cruz for that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it was just really crazy because uh, I didn't have time to go. I watched, uh, I, I played with Russ. Yeah. So I didn't have time to go check out Lubelski because he played at the same time as Russ Liquid, and I wanted to watch that. Yeah. Uh, the the right. test was playing, and that's my favorite form of Russ. Yeah, <laughs> and um, so anyway, I didn't have a chance to go see the dude. Yeah. But then I'm standing. I go through pre-check at the airport like the next morning, and I hear my name behind me, and I turn around, and there he is. No shit. Yeah. So, so weird. I don't know. Serendipity is real. <laughs> yeah, it is. The world's a lot smaller than you think. It's it really insane. Is. It really is. And and it's it's strange how sometimes things, like random things, like I, I saw a guy I'd met in Chicago on a tr- on a train in Frankfurt at the airport, and he was going to India too when I was going there. Like so things like that, you know, it was what? just like random connections. Yeah. Some guys like met her, and I was like, I'm in. I'm in <laughs> Seriously, I don't, I don't know. It's it's and and you just it's weird because I've run into people like across the world. I've run into people like in. Europe when I'm just randomly traveling there, you know, and, and, and you're like, you see friends from home in France or something like that. And and, and neither of you know that you're, you're supposed to be there. So it's, Mm -hmm. there's a little, those little coincidences where you're like, it's, it's lucky. It does make such crazy connections. Yeah. It's like a magnetism or something. I think, you know, it's like things, I think it's it's the same reason why like, you know, there's all those cars on the highway and we're not constantly just crashing into each other because none of us are really good drivers. Yeah. You know? It's like you'd think that there'd be like so many accidents of people trying to merge in the same lane, but I think there's just kind of like a a flock mentality that happens when people around each other are just, you know, energies kind of like keep us in line. Yeah. Petty shit. Yeah, Petty it shit. is crazy. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about like the the several times actually that I've sat next to someone on a plane that came to my, ended up coming to my show. Like huh. I'm sure you've experienced that as well. Yeah. It's uh music it. is such a magnetic thing. And people are so curious. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I think it's probably been two or three times now that I've been sitting next to somebody who ends up asking what I'm going to wherever we're yeah. going for. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even have, to, I don't have to say anything about who I am or anything like yeah. that. Not that I ever would do that, but yeah, by so I, I play music. <laughs> oh, I, by the way, do you I'm know coming who I out am? to play some music. <laughs> people are just so curious about that. <clears throat> yeah. And one guy came out to Fort Collins 
last time I played there that sat next to me on on the plane out to Denver. Was that? I wouldn't know that wasn't. You weren't there, but anyway, it was just funny. I didn't I didn't expect it, and then I turned around and he's like, "Hey, let me buy you a beer." That's awesome. Like, oh my god, you're the dude from the plane. This is crazy. Yeah, it's a it's. I don't know. I love it. It's. I feel like there's. There's like magic out in the world, and I think that, that we'd sometimes get um, the weed. The pool, <laughs> the pool of weed. <laughs> oh my god, this coffee is saving me right now. Me too. Do you want? Do you want to well, take like a little five minute break? Yeah, and See then we'll break. come back. We're yeah. gonna take a little five minute break. We're gonna put a hilarious commercial it's, right here. Yeah, we're gonna make boing, a really boing. funny commercial for you. <laughs> Slide whistles and boings. Law. <laughs> wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man, come on down to the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man emporium. All right. And we're back. We're back. And we're back with Michael Mennert. On the price is right. On the price is right. <laughs> with Bob Barker. No, so we're back. One dollar. Uh, Mennert. And you've been pretty busy recently. So you told us a little bit about your musical upbringing, how you got started back in 2001 with Derek. So where'd you kind of go from there? You kind of you branched off. You were doing your uh, own thing for a while. And the Pretty Fantastics came about. Uh, I, I just... I was a bunch of mishaps happened to me. I got I got stabbed, and then I got arrested and got a felony, and then my dad started dying of cancer, and all these things kind of happened as right as like we I'd done the Pretty Lights album while we were in our band. Listen, me and Derek had done the album, and that was like October, and then December I got stabbed, and then. From there on, it got worse. (laughs) But it got worse, and then it got better. And the getting better was awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started doing my own solo stuff and kind of cleaning up my life and just being uh, being ready to have another chapter, you know, I guess. Um, Which is what America is all about, right? It's the land of second chances. And then that's when I kind of started doing my own stuff. And it was actually, we, we had talked about this earlier, about how, you know, when you're touring by yourself, it's a lot easier because you don't have the overhead of a bunch, you know, right. even just like a show sometimes is barely enough money to make a, a flight in a hotel happen and bring, and bring anything home, you right. know? Right. And then when you add another person to it, it's just like it costs you money. And it's so trying to have a band. It costs you money and it's more logistics to take care of. Yeah. And it's just, it's like 10 more things you got to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just two people's schedules that you have to think about, you know, and it's yeah. just, and that's what happens to a lot of bands. You know, one person has a kid or one person gets a job they can't leave. And you're just like, well, we're a four-piece now. Oh, well, we're a three-piece now. You know, it's just yeah. it things happen. And I think that um, being a solo producer all of a sudden was nice because I was never the per- I, I was never the band leader. I, I was always in bands where it was just kind of equal parts. But the, I feel like other people had more dominant personality types and were more, like, aggressively into doing what they wanted with the song. So I was just like, whatever, I'll do I'll do what I want on the next one, you know? Yeah. And I just like playing music, so I wasn't, you know, super mm-hmm. authoritative in my in my design of a, of a piece, you know? So all of a sudden to be like, to not have to fight for ideas and not have to like kind of run ideas by other people mm-hmm. for a piece of music, it was nice. Mm-hmm. And also touring by yourself at first is really nice because you get to kind of see the world and, you know, it's kind of scary, but you get these weird kind of, it becomes like a like a book or a movie sometimes, you know, or like you like you just you're like, did I just see that? Did that just really happened, you know. Like there's those moments where you just it feels like a 
you know, Wes Anderson movie or Coen Brothers movie where you're just like, this is, that was really weird. And like, no one's ever going to understand that. And I can't even describe it, but it's right. just, so, right. so, so, so to, be, to have that again, where you're like, you're, you know, you get to kind of be a passenger on the world, you know, and follow your dream, but also have these moments in between where you're just riding along to the next spot with the other people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I always liked that. And it kind of had like this weird kind of wild West or pirate kind of vibe, you know, yeah. you're just like cruising around. Yeah. Like I, I always felt like touring was like being a pirate because you're like on this like pirate ship that like docks next to the docks in the land and like authorities know you're no good but they kind of leave you leave you alone, leave you alone because they know you're gonna be gone the next day and uh, it's so true and um and you know like you go there and you sing songs of yore and trade your goods for for coin and booty <laughs> and pot yeah yeah. Oh, yeah it's all sorts of vices but yeah you know and then and, and then you and then you pull up anchor and you go to the next spot, you know, and it's just, you kind of like drift in and out and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a lot of times it's cash only and things like that. It's, it's it's just a, it's a cool kind of semi outlaw life. You still lead because you're still, there's still a chance that you could show up places and they're just not going to pay you. (laughs) You know, things like that. I was just going to bring up how much like faith I feel like we really have to put into the process. I feel like a lot of people I know don't have the mental fortitude to be able to blindly go somewhere with really no yeah. guarantee of like that it's going to go well. Right. And I think that like that alone is one of the big things about that makes me feel like people don't won't have the balls sometimes yeah. to do this in the first yeah. place because they can't handle that sort of sense of instability, potential instability. instability yeah. And that's it the, makes them really uncomfortable and they yes. absolutely don't want anything to do there with were, it. Time and time again, when I was like in just such small time stuff, just playing like regionally here, in like a reggae band or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, I got to get off work early, you know, on a Friday because mm-hmm. we got to drive five hours to Milwaukee or whatever. And there's time and time again, like my coworkers in like an office setting would be like, oh, I just wish I could, I wish I could do that and blah, blah, blah. That takes a lot of like guts and this and that. I'm like, you could do that. Like, I know you don't have any kids. I know maybe you got like a boyfriend or you're single or whatever. You could do that. Yeah. It's just that instability threshold that they yeah. don't want people don't want to cross and like you know? the traveling the, alone the thing fear. is like yeah. double-edged sword especially as a woman being alone imagine. by yeah. myself on tour a lot yeah. can be a little intimidating sometimes i have to make special considerations for the things i do being that my job is to perform the next morning essentially in yeah. the middle of the night you know like yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> I think there's that as well. And that not only goes for women, but for men, like for anybody that is going to be walking around the middle of the city and yeah. in the middle of the night, you know, right. like and not know what, what part of the city is good or bad. You've never yeah, been you to, yeah, in a place at. you've yeah. never been to. And you're, yeah. you're flying there with the assumption that someone's going to pick you up and take care of you, yeah. hoping that that goes well. And it doesn't always, Yeah, it does not always. Oh my God. Yeah. Oftentimes it goes very <laughs> awry. It, you know, I would say not oftentimes anymore, thank Often God, enough. due to my <laughs> great enough. management. Shout yeah. out to Pivotal. Man- good management should prevent those problems from happening to you. Yeah. And sometimes things slip through the cracks and promoters drop the ball or, you know, whatever. People can drop the ball, but I'd say, I, li- I like to say that it happens to me much less than yeah. it used to. <laughs> right. But I have had my fair share of total nightmares yeah, going somewhere I've never been in my life by myself. And I think, like, to add to what you were saying, it taking you know, it taking guts is, it's more, it's more the getting back up part than I think doing it. I think any, I think most people could do it once. You know, I think that that's yeah. like, 
And I think that that's what DJ life has like proven to a lot of kids is that like they can get, you know, software, they can get tractor, they can get a, f- a few pieces and have things pretty much like auto warp and auto launch and get up there and rock a show, you know? So it's like, yeah. you can do it once, but it's like, you can, and you can make a career out of it. And some people can be successful all the, all the time. But I think that it's like a lot of times, especially if you're trying to do things that aren't always going to be a slam dunk in every market and, you know, are, are going to have more parts of you than just parts of what's going on in music at the time, you know? You, there's going to be times where, you know, you have small crowds or, you, you you know, you have people leave during your set or you have promoters that skimp you, you know, like things totally. like that, that happen right. and then you still come back, you know? Well, I think, I think, I think that that's like the... people making the, original yeah. stuff that have to understand that it's like a slow and steady wins the race, yeah. you know? Like over time, you'll develop a discography that embodies right. you yeah. and isn't just a reflection of whatever was popular at that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I think that's something that tons of produce, new producers really don't understand at all. They'll go out of their way to make some really heavy bass shit or something yeah. just to have yeah. something to like give to the people that want what's popular now right. instead yeah. of building an actual brand out of their sound design and yeah. this and that. I think like to add to that a little bit, uh I think people who as you mentioned like get you know get knocked down and getting back up again. Yeah. I think those are that's what draws I think to true creators or like artists almost in a sense. And that kind of helps in a, I I think this is the wrong way of saying it, but it kind of weeds people out. Uh, The people who can't get back up and keep uh, persevering. I think the people who persevere are the ones that are definitely hungry enough to keep making a career out of it. It's all about keeping going like that. If you've noticed any, like what is that like saying? Like, Oh, you remember that producer that was dope and then quit a few years ago. Yeah. Neither do I like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all about keeping moving, moving moving. forward. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's all about, I think, and, and this is kind of the difference I've noticed is, is if you're, it's one of those things that if you're going to be doing this, no matter what, nothing's going to stop you. You know, it's like, I, exactly. I realized that even when I had like a shitty job and was like trying to get back up on my feet and was like, kind of like, had felt defeated and was like, well, I guess that, I guess I'm not going to be doing things like the way I used to, but I'm still going to be doing this. And it was just like, I still in the back of my head, it was like, it was, it wasn't like a giving up thing. It was just like a, this is just going to be for me now, you know? And, yeah. and, and I think that if you have that, it's like, nothing's going to stop you. And I think, I think that there's something like attractive to that, to, to yeah. people, you know, I think it's, it's like that. It's the whole underdog anti-hero type of thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like when you see people like, I mean, it's why people like Bob Dylan have such an, such effect with their voice being, what people would consider crude a lot of times, you know, it's like, it's that thing that like cuts through. Cause you're just like, this guy just doesn't give a fuck. He has things to say and he's just saying it, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, he'd be saying it if we were here or if we weren't, you know? Exactly. We're in the land of Bob Dylan. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, There's an awesome mural right across the street from where you're playing tonight of Bob Dylan. That's true. Yeah. It's literally, it's huge, giant, colorful mural. It's done by, um, Cobra with a K. If anyone wants to look that up, nice. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's really really cool. Yeah. Take yeah, a picture cool. in front of it. Yeah, and but like what you were saying about like, well, this is what I'm going to be doing anyway. Yeah. Like, even if I got like a shitty job and I'm down on my luck, oh. I got no gigs or whatever. I'm still going to be doing this anyway. I think that's a, like music and creating. I think you can probably relate to this, Megan, doing artwork and doing design. Is that it's always kind of a battle with yourself to make. The, to improve upon yourself, to improve upon your work. And you'd be doing it if you have an audience of none versus an audience of a ton. Yeah. I didn't mean to yeah. rhyme that, but it works. Oh! oh yeah. <laughs> Man, I'd like yeah. to think that's true. I don't know. You just like, yeah. 
grow into this this need to please the people that support you. And it feels pressuring sometimes. I would imagine. So. And yeah. so sometimes I feel a little bit like, yeah, I do do it for not just myself, but for the people that listen to my stuff as well, for not just their validation, but for my own validation. Well, I it, don't know. It's yeah. kind of hard to I know describe. what you're I think I know what you're like, saying. Well, it's, it, it's like if people got like because you know, there's those people that come up and this is one of the most amazing things to think about making music is the people that come up and are affected by your music you know and, and the people that tell you that they're affected by it whether it's like oh man that song makes me so happy or like oh that song got me through a sad time or whatever it is like you just see that like the things that i loved about music growing up like you get to be a part of that you get to be a small yeah. pool in that ocean totally. yeah. you, get a, or, you know a small uh drop of water in that ocean and it's just that's really cool to be able to give back to that and i think that that's that kind of gives you a sense of obligation in a way because it's like it you does. don't want to stop giving people like if people come to you and they're like but you used to give me this thing and now you like don't do that anymore it's like you know it's like yeah you see that with other artists that people kind of come and they're like you know the old shit's better than the new shit that's it's like a common thing you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, always, always so it's like that yeah. con- that that thing where it's like you want to be able to be yourself because it's like well the reason why you guys came to me is because i was myself i think you know mm-hmm. but does that ever does that ever trip you out like if you if you you know, produce a track or you had like a riff in that track or something like that, or you do something on stage that you thought you've, you, you've kind of squandered it or fucked up or you're not really happy about it. Like I, from speaking from a guitar perspective, like I've played shows where I thought it was like complete trash and I've like wrote a riff on a song or I, and I'm like, that sounds corny as fuck. And that person like that you're talking about comes up to you after the show and they're like, Oh my God, when you did that thing, that was like, Whoa. And I was like, really? And then they're like, there's that moment where you're like, Hmm, you're just like way too hard on yourself, you know, like you're way too in your own head on these things and critical and like to somebody else, yeah, like somebody younger, whatever, like watching the show, they absolutely fucking love that. Like we all did at a show at one point in time. There's that weird disconnect sometimes that I know we've all felt where like you come off stage and you're like, God damn it. And then like someone else comes up and is like, you fucking killed it. And you're like, yeah, how can I not have, (laughs) how can I, how can we both be right? But we're so far off from each other, you know? I think it's like an attraction thing, like with people, you know, like there's someone for everyone or whatever. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. you might not find someone attractive, but someone else could find them the hottest person alive. You know, like Uh you could be the juiciest peach. Some people don't like peaches, all that shit. Yep. Like, yeah, I think the beauty's in the eye of the beholder, you know? Mm -hmm. So who am I to say that? Yeah. I might've thought what, what I did was corny and I might stand by that even after you validate it. But (laughs) like, you know, some, I guess there's my, something for everyone. I don't know. My conclusion at that is after a lot of shows, I guess is some people really like bad guitar playing. Or people are drunk. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, or people just like seeing people go for it. No, you know? I think that's, I think that's and, definitely it. People love seeing people just going for it and not giving a fuck like you were talking about Bob Dylan. Yeah. I think it's weird, too, how like sometimes when you feel like you're discon... Like we all, you know, I, I don't, maybe we all don't, but I have, you know, waves of things where like all of a sudden things won't be... Also, I feel like, man, maybe I don't, I don't have it anymore. You know, you're kind of like, you kind of get down on yourself. And you're like, I'm just not made. You know, for a couple of days, you just can't, <sighs> can't plug into it. And you're just like, yes. what the fuck's wrong with me? Yep. Maybe it's just not the same anymore. And then like, <laughs> and then like a day later, you like, you make your best thing, and you're like, God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, still got, still got it. And you get like, like that half a day of being like, ah, oh, I'm dope. You know. <laughs> and then man, you get like I'm a couple dope. more days, and it's like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's Dude, that is that's so the weirdest true. thing because it's like, and it's funny because. Oh, it's it's that it's the whole. Do it, you guys know about imposter syndrome? 
No, it's it's I this don't. common thing that, that that a lot of people that create have where it's like because most people that create start from a point of being amateur and you just you never get like a certificate. You're like, congratulations, you're a professional. You, yeah. you no, cross yeah. the bar. Yeah. No one can take this away from you. You always right. feel like you're like one step away from like open mic night again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And yep. like it's it's uh it's this it, imposter syndrome is just is like this psychological disorder where like you constantly think that like people are going to figure out that you're a fraud and that you just like stumbled your way through oh, it the whole time and like and like really like you were never good you were just like clever at doing something you know like, yeah. like, I, feel like, yeah. <laughs> I feel attacked i feel attacked right now yeah, no, but, I, but, like... but I, I, I felt that too you know yeah. and i think it's it's and i've talked to a lot of people like all all the way up the industry and like you know age groups and stuff like that and it's it's a common thing in music and it's crazy that we all kind of feel like this thing, like we're, we all still need validation in this weird way, you know? That's it what, is, dude. And needing instant gratification is such a characteristic of every artist I've ever met in my entire yeah. life. Why and that's, like, keep... that's what's <laughs> that's bugging what me right now about my EP. I'm done with two of them, Yeah, but nobody knows that. I don't. Like, I know. Oh, yeah. They now, don't, now they, they haven't heard know. it. I had no, like whatever. six weeks like, like that with an album where I was just like, I feel like exactly. I'm not doing anything. It's like, it's done. It's being shopped. You know, like my management knows it's done. My girlfriend knows it's done. My close friends know it's done. I feel somewhat accomplished because I finished this thing, but because no one knows about it, I'm not getting that You're not getting the, sense yeah. of gratification that I require because yeah. I'm yeah. a solo artist. And so I'm like, did I even do anything? Yeah. No, I'm yeah. an idiot. Everyone's going to find out I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. People <laughs> well, didn't tweet about it. It didn't even happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm getting back to. Like, that's why you're constantly like working to improve yourself is because of this, like maybe fear of people figuring out you don't actually have it, what they thought you had. So you want to yeah. keep working to get to what you think people <clears throat> think you have. That's so that makes sense. Such a thing. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Or even more so that like the thing that people like about you isn't you. It's the thing that you're doing on top of yourself that like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's not me. It's my makeup kind of thing, you know, where it's yeah. like, yeah. like, like, like it's not well, my actual facade. ability. So it's just the way I'm doing things at this particular time and the way I'm putting these things together that like people like that. And I happen to be making it in a way that they like it. And as soon as they stop liking that, they're going to stop liking me kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also there's yeah. like this constant bit of a facade that we have to put on. And we've talked about this before about just mental health and how mm-hmm. artists have to convey a sense of stability and a sense of like self-awareness while not being negative. And like, you know, like we have to convey a general sense of that we're okay and that everything's Charles and that we're having a blast and that touring is so freaking fun, even though we're sitting in an airport for nine hours because someone didn't pick us up. Like it's, it's, um, sold as like a life of luxury. Well, because and it we is a concierge that. before, you know, it's like it has that that element of like yeah. a concierge, a concierge where it's like you do get taken to nice places and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also like I think that the reason why I've met like a, like a lot of people who've been doing music for a while, and like I feel like the later, the, the further down careers people get, the more impatient they get when they're off the road. And I think it's just because you spend so many years of just like. You know, twenty hours of the day is somebody else's. Where you're just like, can I go there and do my thing yet? God damn it! You know? yeah. <laughs> like, and then, and so it's like when you when you're on your own time, you're just like, fuck what that! I've, I've given my my time up so many days. Like, I want to do what I want now. Yeah. You know? Right, right. Yeah, it's so, totally true. Totally true. I want to I want to get back in track and talk about what you're doing right now. Before, no, before we wrap up, yeah, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about. It. I'm sorry. And you spent some time with uh, Dead and Company. How long were you on tour with those guys? I I did uh, I helped Mickey out for a tour for a tour and a half actually uh, in 2016 and then 2017. I didn't do this last one because I was working on my own album and just uh, I like I love working with Mickey in the studio 
but being on someone else's tour, it's like you get, you want to, you're like by chomping at the bit as an artist, you know, yeah. it's like you want, I'm just like, I just want to do my, I want to play shows, That'd you know, it's hard, like, yeah. yeah. Like, so try- you were just basically kind of like assisting him. Yeah, on, I, on like- I, I was like a tech and then I, I operated like the Ableton systems for gotcha. him. So like they did in drums and space, they did like a, a part with like loops and sequences and I produced them with him. And then I was kind of triggering him back and helping him orchestrate them so he could perform and kind of give me cues on where he wanted to take it. So it was, it was an honor and it was great to do, but I just, there was a technical side of it that I didn't like being in charge of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like it's a, it's like a, I mean, it became like a four computer system with like three racks of things and all, you know, and it's just, it be, it was a thing where the tech had to do that part and like the, the part that I'd been creating in the studio. And it's like, I didn't, it wasn't fair for me to want to only do the fun part and doing all of it was something that I just didn't want to, you know? Yeah. It yeah. was just such a huge uh, thing that I felt more comfortable being on the creative side of it and helping contribute like that rather than like learning a whole new thing and a whole new right. skill set. I mean, cause I, I had learned it for those tours, but it just, the, the beast kept growing, you know? Right. Yeah. And it was just, a, it was like way above my pay grade in terms of the, the technical ins and outs and the MIDI integration and all that stuff. And I just was, I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like kudos to you for you know, if it's two or two and a half. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, do you, do you think it was a, a pretty awesome experience? Oh, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, tour is always like an amazing experience. I mean, and you talk to people that are on the tour on the, on the, on the crew side and it's like, when you're there, it's work, you know, when you're there, yeah. it's like long ass days and it's hurry up and wait, you know, and it's, you show up and start loading in and then you wait and then yeah. the band comes and sound checks and you wait and then they play the show and then you wait then you break down, break down you know so it's like, little, like 20 hour days yeah. sometimes and but the crew there was awesome the, the, the band played uh, a lot of great material that i hadn't grown up with so yeah. being able to kind of fall in love with the whole songbook of music you know yeah it was great you know it was one of those things that the first time i got off the road i found myself like like wanting to hear songs that i'd heard there and i was like you know i didn't grow up a deadhead so it was, it was really cool to kind of be you know, when you're affected by something without like yeah. actively pursuing it, you know, I wasn't like, all right, I'm going to sit down and listen to a bunch of Grateful Dead and fall in love with it. It was yeah. just like it kind of yeah. it kind of infiltrated my soul, you know. Yeah, it's it wasn't like, cool a like that on any tour. Like yeah. Yeah. I found when I'm direct support for other people and I get to actually see their set like you know five times in a row and like really get to know their music actually when I otherwise probably wouldn't have sat down just to like listen to their Spotify or something. Yeah, it's a cool yeah. way to get to know it. I felt like yeah. that way about when I tra- traveled with Zugma. Oh, okay. Yeah. By the end yeah. of that little tour that I did with them, oh, yeah. like I knew Those every every transition yeah. and every single thing, you know. But like starting out, I had no idea yeah. how dope they were. I only knew a couple songs. Yeah. So yeah, it is a cool experience. Okay, did you get to meet John Mayer? Yeah, oh, is he cool? Briefly, uh, I mean, I didn't get to meet him like 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 a like you'd meet him as a person. But yeah, um, he he he, we exchanged words a nice. couple times. And, and and he's a very pleasant fellow. He's very funny. I got to. He's one of those people that he's he's got enough people in his life to where like when you know I wasn't like hey by the way let's 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 talk. Yeah. It's just yeah. like hi I'm Michael. All right, you keep going that way. You I'll keep, keep doing sitting your thing. here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm a huge John Mayer fan. Not not necessarily all of his music I like, but just his he's ability. Insanely talented. Oh, I know. It's it's yeah. outrageous. You don't have to like it, but I yeah you don't have to like his tunes, he's but you gotta amazing. respect the talent. And he, was, way about a lot of people. he was doing this thing like on Instagram. He was doing uh, videos like six months ago where he was just bored at home and he was just like live streaming on Instagram, uh, taking people's questions like on guitar. And I'm like, what a fucking cool guy. Like, Dude, the Floozies did that a while ago, too, where they were really? like 
will play anything. And Matt yeah. just sat there and like played like third eye blind and like all the hilarious shit oh, that people were suggesting. Nice, nice. <laughs> Those guys are nice guys. Yeah. They were just here actually last week. Oh nice. Last week. Yeah, it was like two two weeks ago now so already, nice. two or three weeks ago. It was yeah. a while back. Well time goes by fast. It does, man. Yeah. It goes faster <laughs> and faster. Faster and faster. Speaking of time going by fast, uh what do you got coming up? I just last Friday I had my friend uh Boyntown, who's my engineer and co pilot, <clears throat> Sonic co pilot. He came up and hung out with me until yesterday and I made like a seven track EP. Really? Yeah. Sweet. And I really like it. It's like sample based, but uh but it's cool. It's got a good vibe. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I, I'm just finishing that up. Um, probably just finishing some mixing and whatnot because it's pretty done. And I got some shows this week. And then in January, I got some runs with the Pretty Fantastics. But uh, yeah, I'm just working on a bunch of different music. I'm doing like a, an ambient album. I'm doing, I'm trying to do uh, like a rap mixtape of a bunch of stuff that I've nice. been kind of had on the back burner. A bunch of cool shit. Good. That's great. That's what the people want. And that's what the people want. I just, I, you know, like, like I, I spent two years kind of working on other, other people's projects, which was great. Yeah. And it was totally immersed. And I got to work with Mickey on Ramu. And it was like an amazing time and just a, a trip, just going through all the different vault files and whatnot. But it was so immersive that I didn't really do my own music for two years, you know? So now it's like I've having that break. I felt good because before I took that break, I kind of felt lost. And I was kind of like, what What do I want to do? What am I doing? You know, like. Can relate. And just having that like two years to just still be doing music so you don't feel like you're just burning time and you're like, fuck, right. I'm not doing anything. That's not. Oh, and that's the worst feeling. Like, the last thing I want to be doing is feeling. nothing. Yeah, that's the worst <laughs> feeling. Like as I feel as somebody doing creative stuff is like, if you're wasting time, I always feel yeah. like, am I wasting time right now or am I taking time for myself just to yeah. enjoy life? Or am I wasting time? I don't know. But then I, you know, then I, the band came together very organically. Everything kind of, you know, came together. Gerlach joined the band from when, uh, when Turbo Suit kind of uh, took a break and uh, met Sleepy through him. And he's an amazing drummer. And then Jules was dating Matt at the time. And he was our guitarist. And she was just kind of like, after hanging out with us a few times, she, we were in the studio. And she's like, I could sing backups on this. And then she had an amazing voice. And then she also played keys. And then like, Six months into her playing keys, she's like, oh, I also play violin. And I'm like, why didn't you bring your violin over the yeah. <laughs> So it's just, we have all these really great multi-instrumentalists that just kind of come it's together like, to make It's like a, a revamped band. Of yeah, fantastic. yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, we've, we've had a lot of members, uh, and they're all members for life. You know, they're people that are friends and homies, uh, with the exception of, a, you know, a couple individuals that may have crossed lines or whatever. But, but for the most part, you know, it's like, this is the first time the band has had a chance to write together it's always been like a satellite band where we where i was writing stuff or they were giving me a session or i'd get a loop from somebody and i'd mess with it and then pass it around so it was kind of like you know you start drawing a picture and you hand it off and yeah and so by the time it gets back to you you're just kind of like trying to make sense of a bunch of different pieces rather than having a cohesive right. thing and to be able to kind of write with the band was really cool because i missed that i missed growing up and being in like projects where you're all kind of like living together and hanging out so i invited everybody to live over there in different groups kind of at different times it's easier to write with three or four people than seven yeah. at a time yeah, you know? yeah too many cooks in the kitchen yeah and you, it just ends yeah. up being like us jamming you know which is yeah. which is good for other things because it gets you like tighter as a band but it's yeah. like that's not the strength of what we do the strength of what we do isn't like improvising a bunch of like funk rock yeah hip-hop stuff you know right, <laughs> it's right. like the strength is bringing things to the table that aren't necessarily just 
recorded straight in on the instruments. You know, it's like it's the production side of things. It's manipulating sound and stuff. Sure. That's, that's the coolest part about trying to bring that to a, a band is trying to figure out how to how to make the parts that aren't live live. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Or at least live without feeling like you're just playing on top of them or whatever. Yes. You know? Yep. Yeah. It's very cool. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. We're sitting at like over an hour, which has been great. This has been awesome. Cool. Sorry, I rambled. No, Sit, this no. is perfect. <laughs> it's like sans 10 fine. minutes of that, that we were sitting around. Yeah. Smoking. But yeah, man. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for, uh, thanks for making time for us, Michael. Anytime. And it's a pleasure. Yeah. It has been a pleasure having you here. I'm looking forward to your show tonight. Yeah. We'll see you at the exchange. The exchange. But by, this episode. By the time y'all hear this, y'all will have missed it. They've already have missed it. Or so go stream him on it. Spotify and give him royalty money. Yeah, That's right. Royalty money. Uh, <laughs> follow me on there. Yeah. And for every, this is coming out, I think next week. So everybody happy holidays and happy new year to you and yours happy holidays and be safe and have fun be nice to animals yes be nice to animals they are our friends <laughs> go pet a dog Goodbye. and people too and people be nice to people too go yeah. pet a person <laughs> bye <laughs> call your mom thank you Michael thank you Michael <laughs> like he said call your mom it's the holidays don't be a stranger <laughs> yes call your grandma call your grandma she's yeah. alive call your grandparents her. if they're alive like, give them a shout. They yeah, really appreciate it. I don't have any it. left. Uh, you know, shout out to Lloyd and Dale and Carol and Pearl. All right. You know, we were we were talking yeah. the other day that on the interview next time, we should have everyone go around and say their grandparents' names just because that generation had the best names. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, are your grandparents' names? Ready for this? Yeah. Lorraine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is extra funny because of a person we know. And Joanne. Howard. And I thought you were saying Joanne's last name for a second. <laughs> no. No, so it's uh, Lorraine and Robert. Okay. And nah. Howard and Joanne. I like Howard and Joanne. Howard and Joanne. That's my dad's side of the family. That's yeah. the Olsen side of the family. Anyway, yeah. So give a shout out to your grandparents. They really appreciate it. I have one left and... Uh, I don't talk to her enough, but when I do... You're going to call her after this podcast. I'll probably call I'm going to make him call her. I'll probably call her. Yeah. Good. On the way home. Yeah. No, they appreciate it. On the way to work. They appreciate it. They do. We appreciate you guys. Yeah. And yeah, it's crazy. It's the end of the year already. So thanks for listening this year if you have been. And if you haven't been, then fuck you behind your back. Yeah. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. I hope your Christmas sucks. <laughs> uh, lump of coal for you. Yeah. We appreciate you guys very much. And we love doing this podcast, so it's really tight that people are still listening. And we appreciate all the guests that we've been fortunate enough to have this year. And shout out to Beat Nasty, Ghost Channels, Turnian Sound, Steve Centrific, Grid Division, Guggins, Matt Harris, the drummer of Zugma, Flavors, Homemade Spaceship, Funk Static, The Antic Studios Boys, Wax Future, Madeline O'Neill, Maddie O'Neill, Defunk, Co-Fressy, Andrew Frost, uh, tour manager for Sun Squabby, Anna Yvette, Bureaucratic, Ilvis Freshly, Flaming Gosis, MZG, and Michael Menard. Thank you to everybody that took time to come sit down with us or wherever you were to record from your location. We're super lucky to have such an awesome roster of yeah. people on this podcast. Seriously, we really, really, really appreciate you guys. And they don't have much time to spare. 
No, no everybody's so, super fucking busy. Yeah. So it is really cool that people take the time to do this with us. We enjoy doing it. So Yeah, and we we hope that we're trying to, you know, get some good conversation with these guys and we appreciate you guys listening. Seems like people are still listening, so Yeah, thanks, hopefully guys. we've gotten a little better. Yeah, uh, I think trying. we're still a little tangenty, but that'll happen when you yeah. smoke some pot. So yeah. um if you guys are mad about it, go smoke some pot. Anyway, I think that's yeah. pretty much all we have to say. Hey, we, we got, got album of the week, we the last one of the, of the year. Yeah, we and then we're this. gonna peace out. Yeah. Um, gotta, go ahead, Pat. I know everybody thought that my album of the week was going to be Cohen Sound because I'm such a nerd about their music and I love those guys and they're like my heroes. But Polychrome just came out this week by Cohen Sound. If you like their tunes and you like their vibe, go give it a, a, a listen. Uh, it just was a little bit to the Cohen sound that I like to listen to is more like funky. I agree. Glitchy. I like the more like mid-tempo glitch. Yeah, funk yeah, stuff yeah. And it's over, like, like the tippery like sound. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. That's just, that's just yeah. No, that's me too. And I mean like the the tippery stuff and like the sound design and like weird like almost like liquidy sounds like that's super cool. That down tempo yeah. vibe, but I. Really like their in your face, like bass for sure. Funky yeah, you know, stuff. Jason Hahn, the auxiliary percussionist for String Cheese Incident yes. and Yoto, yeah, he described it really well in saying that he feels like it's a an amalgam of Tipper and Anomaly. Which, if you guys haven't ever listened to Anomaly, I think I've yeah, uh, put Metropolis, his most recent album, as my album of the week earlier this year, probably, but um, yeah. he's amazing too and yeah. uh i think that's a good description, that's a great description of what it sort of is of what this album is melodic with some crazy sound design of, for this album that's how yes. i described it yeah, yeah that makes that makes hopefully total sense. we'll have jason on here in the near future as well that would be great yeah he's such a such a nice guy oh my gosh anyway back to album of the week i've been watching this documentary uh on the 80s on netflix the cnn documentary on the 80s and i'm gonna go with tears for fears because uh songs from the big chair is a fucking killer album. I've spent so many hours listening to it and re-listening to it. Does that have Everybody Wants to Rule the World it on does. it? Oh, it does. It nice. does. I like the Lord cover of that. Yeah, that was pretty, it was pretty solid. Yeah, and Lido, like L-I-D-O, the yeah. producer, he has a killer freaking remix of that song, if you guys are bored. Song from the Big Chair came out in 1985. It has Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Shout, Head Over Heels, which was kind of made infamous in our generation from the Donnie Darko soundtrack mm. and Tears for Fears as a duo. Their musicianship is fantastic. And as soon as you hear any song by them, like their vocals are just so unique that you know it's them, right? And just the way that the production is, it's it's so awesome. Go check it out. Go back in time, 1985. Check out uh, Songs from the Big Chair by Tears for Fears. Yeah. What's your album of the week, Megan? I couldn't really find an album, but I did find a new artist that I really dig. So I'm just going to tell you guys to go listen to him, basically. His name is Rex Orange County. My friend Ben showed him to me. Okay. And I guess I would describe him as a little bit more singer songwriting version of like a, a male Amy Winehouse. It's very jazzy instrumentals and very like subtle and old school, almost Motown sounding. And he's like a... He, he can clearly sing, but he doesn't, he can't sing like Amy, but he can clearly sing. It's just more of a casual approach to it, I would say. But yeah, my friend Ben showed me this music video called Loving is Easy. It was made by Chris Owen, who's like a stop motion artist. And so the video is really cool. Loving is Easy by Rex Orange County. 
that's the first thing I heard by him. And then I went and creeped on him some more and on his SoundCloud or on his like top five popular tracks, uh, Sunflower, Best Friend, Rainbow, some of the favorite tracks that I've listened to so far from him. So if you like jazzy stuff and some chill stuff, Rex Orange County is super cool and that music video is awesome. So I guess it's video of the week. Video of the week. Yeah. Loving is Easy by Rex Orange County. Check it out. Hell yeah. Hey. I think that's it. That is that it? That's, that's 2018. It. That was it in a nutshell. Do you have any uh, 2019 goals that you want to talk about Um, as we wrap up this year? This was an interesting year, wasn't it? 2018? Yes. It was, it was a crazy year. We a just lot happened. transferred to Pivotal yeah, Agency at Pivotal. the beginning of this year. So got new management and everything. And a lot of cool um, shows I out got to West. play my first international shows yeah. in Canada. Got to play there three times and going back on January 25th. Mm-hmm. Or no, January 19th. What am I thinking? Hmm. Anyway, yeah, got to do that. Play it out in California a lot. Yeah. And that was really fun. Nice to be Super in the warmth. Fun. Nice to be in the Bay Area. I love the Bay Area. But yeah, no. Who doesn't? Um, much awesome. love to everybody that's been on the podcast. And more importantly, to the people that listen to it. Shout out to my management, Cole and Koshi and Nicole yeah. for being generally awesome. Yep. And all the other dope-ass artists that are on our roster. I've got two EPs finished and wrapped up and ready to rock and like five to six finished singles. So I should be coming out strong this next year with some new music. And I hope you guys dig it. And I know Pat is starting to work with some other people as well. We're toying with the ideas right now, so maybe I shouldn't say anything, but we're, yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah, maybe hold on to it. it. We'll keep it close it. for now. Yeah, we're, everything is exciting and we appreciate y'all. That's really the, the message of today. That's so thank you, Michael Mennett, for coming and yeah. hanging out with us. Thanks, Pat, for being such an amazing co-host. Oh, hey, you're Pat welcome. Pat got me a birthday present, actually, you guys. I did. It's really cool. They're these LED motion-activated drumsticks, and he's always bitched at me that I should get some merch that's in green and pink color combination because it's his favorite he thinks it's the best on the planet and so he bought me green and pink led drumsticks so they're amazing you're gonna see that in 2019 yes you will see the drumsticks (laughs) i'm looking forward to 2019 because this time of year i always reflect back right and think about how the year has gone it's been a great year there's always frustrations everybody's always going to be frustrated about this and that, at least if you're doing it right, in my opinion. And I'm looking forward to 2019. I just hope people get their shit together and (laughs) stop being such dicks, right? Yeah, and if less people that are cool could die this year, shout out to Stan Lee and uh, Steven Hillenberg and so many. Like I tell you, like I I told you before, when people die like that, it is sad, but it also is an opportunity to move forward. I right. don't want to move on from SpongeBob and Spider-Man. Hey, somebody's got to make the next SpongeBob. Somebody has to make the next Spider-Man. Whoa. I don't think that's going to happen. But all right. You. Anyway. You know what I mean. Peace out, y'all. Thank you.